The reading is taken from Acts 9, verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there he belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he made Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, Let me just uh, take a few moments to pray, and then we can uh, make a start into the things I've prepared. Lord, I pray that, that, that the words of my mouth and the, the meditations of my heart would be, would be pleasing in your sight and that you would encourage and enable us tonight by the power of your spirit. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, what a great passage. Um, what I want to do uh, tonight is I want to speak to you about generosity. I want to speak about generosity, which um, isn't exactly the first thing that springs to mind when we visit a passage like this one. It's quite easy, I think, to be almost entirely distracted by the usual suspect and the, 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 the big, large character of Saul and the drama that surrounds his incredibly supernatural conversion and the part that that plays in the important first steps of the early church. 
it's hard to see beyond it. It's, it's that significant. And um, Luke presents it to us with real care and clarity. But what my eyes have been turned toward uh, and, and, and open to as I've prayed this week um, is the care that Luke takes to highlight not just the calling of a spiritual giant, but in total contrast to that, in total contrast to that, Luke also takes care to highlight someone who is lacking the status of a Peter or a Philip, which we've already heard about uh, at this stage uh, in the book of Acts, uh, who is enlisted by God and made a messenger of God and a mouthpiece for Saul, as it would uh, turn out to become. So as I've prayed this week, the person I've been led to, attracted by, is the, is, is the, the figure in the background of the story, uh, the figure of Ananias. A passage like this, um, it can work on, on any number of different um, key levels. Quite often, as we study scripture, we find different patterns emerging. Patterns that some theologians call literary partnerships, where in addition to the main plot and the character of a piece of scripture, the author presents the character in such a way where something more of the individual is learned by holding them in contrast to someone else. And in the case of this passage, alongside of the more prominent and obvious picture of Saul's physical and as a result of that spiritual journey, is another person. A completely different story and an entirely other process. The story of Ananias. And it's Ananias that um, I want us to reference as we think about generosity together. His function in this Acts chapter 9 passage, I believe, uh, what he represents to us is a unique model for Christian discipleship. A unique model for Christian discipleship that speaks to us about God's call on us to the generous living of the kingdom of God in the here and now of the world around us. God's call on us to the generous living of the kingdom of God in the here and now in the world around us. It's Ananias that I want us to, um, to reference as we think about generosity. And I guess, uh, to kind of give you a little bit of background some, to, the, to some of my thinking in this, I want the last words that you hear from me to be about generosity, not because I think it's something that you lack. I want to be really clear about that. I want the last things that you hear from my mouth to be about generosity because I think it's one of your greatest strengths as a church. It's one of your most important, most insignificant strengths. All through this week, um, as we've taken the necessary time to stop and to listen, to sit across coffee tables and dinner tables with friends and, and neighbors and the people that we love, I've been surprised, I've been asked about three or four different times a very, very, I think, helpful question. What will you and your family be taking away from your time here 
asked St. Paul's. What will you be taking away from these last, this last chapter, these past five years of your time here in Ealing? So thank you, Darren. Uh, thank you to Gordon and thank you to the others who have helped me think that way and pray that way this week. Uh, I really value your friendship in that, so thank you. I've learned a lot here, and I do mean that. I've learned an incredible amount here. God has really shaken us up and taught us all different kinds of things and spoken to us in ways we didn't even think were possible. But I think the thing that you've taught me through the most is your generosity. The things, as a church family, those of you here that I know, the thing that you've taught me through the most is your generosity. I have been amazed by it as I've received it firsthand myself. Through the leadership of Mark and Lindsay and Barry, I have been amazed at, at, at your generosity to me. And I've been amazed by your generosity as you have continued to show it to others uh, as, uh, while we have been with you um, over this past five years. So what I'd like to do um, is to encourage you in that gift, referencing Ananias, and look at three areas of generosity that I think he models for us. And there's these, these are the three things. So I, wanna, I want us to think and to, to talk together about the generosity of obedience. I want us to think and to talk about the generosity of presence. And then finally, I want us to think and talk about the generosity of speech. So the generosity of obedience, the generosity of presence, and the generosity of speech. To do that, though... I want us to think about three verses that aren't in our reading tonight. It's interesting, later in the book of Acts, in chapter 22, we find an absolutely incredible passage. It's phenomenal. Paul is, finds himself in a really, well, he finds himself in quite a pickle. He's had an attempt made on his life. He um, is saved in the nick of time by a, a troop of, of, of Roman soldiers who um, say, say, save him. And in the process of doing that, they arrest him. And, and they're carrying him away. And um, Paul, being Paul, decides, oh, I know what I'll do having been almost killed and arrested, um, I'll tell my story to the crowd and the rabble that are continuing to follow me, shouting all kinds of things at me. And he gets the permission of the commander of the troop of Roman soldiers who've come to take him away to stop, to stand on some steps, and to tell his testimony. It's just one of those kind of remarkable um, little stories. And one of the things that I realized, well, one of the things, there's many things that he could have said at this point. You can imagine, what kind of things do you draw on? And, and I thought it was incredibly important that actually it's the generosity of Ananias that he chooses to include in this little dialogue with this group of people who tried to kill him. And um, let me read it for you. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of buzz through the first three or four verses and then 
um, focus a little bit more in and um, we'll use these next couple of verses and reference back to the passage we had tonight as we think about these three areas of generosity. So it says, Acts 22, starting at verse one, 6, sorry, uh, about noon, um, he's coming near Damascus, uh, a light that flashes around him, he falls to the ground and he hears the voice. It just exactly, it's tracking almost word for word with the passage that we had tonight. The the voice speaks to him, I am Jesus, I'm the person you're persecuting. Um, The the people he he was with saw the light, but didn't hear the voice. One of those things, I was was trying to figure that out this week, um, how how that can happen. Um, He's told what he's to do, he's told where he's to go. And uh, in verse 12, we kind of get caught up. Uh, A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all of the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you. And you will, uh, sorry, he's chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you've seen and heard. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? You've just had an attempt made in your life. The people that have come to save you have arrested you. They're pulling you away. And you think to yourself, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll share my testimony. And uh, the story that he brings in that significant moment is the story of the generosity of Ananias. Generosity um, speaks volumes. Generosity speaks volumes. So let's look at these three areas then. The generosity of obedience, presence, and speech. Verse 12 in the, in the, um, the 22nd chapter that we've just looked at from Acts. It says this, a man named Ananias came to see me. And we know from uh, our reading earlier, chapter 9 provides us with the background to this. We know that Ananias has come to see Saul, not out of any wisdom of his own, but because God has appeared appeared to him in as supernatural a way as God has appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. The get up and go that Saul hears is equally matched in the call to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street that Ananias receives. But it's here that his generosity of obedience, I think, shines through. Even though he has concerns, even though he has unanswered questions about his own safety and the security of the people that he loves, he trusts God and goes anyway. The generosity of obedience. Even though he might have been racked by fear, unanswered questions, wondering about not just his own safety, but of the security of the people he loved, he, 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 his family, the people he worshipped with. He just put those things to the side and he went obediently anyway. Now, you and I may rarely or never face a challenge like this one where the lives of our friends and families or our own are, are being put at risk um, or worse because of our Christian faith. But we can still take this principle on board. We can still take this principle and this call to obedience, the call to go, the call to do what God asks us, wherever that takes us, 
whatever that means. We've already thought about that a little bit tonight already. Maybe it's a besom run. Maybe it's a 100 pound project. Maybe it's a dinner party for your neighbours. Invite them around. And you and your friend or you and your spouse choose to give your testimony. Like this, this testimony that, that Saul, Paul chooses to give in this situation. Maybe um, over the table at lunch when you're at work with colleagues throughout the, throughout the week. So you, you offer prayer for healing for someone who's unwell or someone who's sick and needs someone to come alongside of them. Whatever it is, wherever it is, we can t- still take this call to obedience, this call to go on board. And this is what Jesus talked about when he described the DNA of God to his own disciples, which is captured for us in John chapter 20. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. God, in his inviting and drawing people into partnering with him in, partnering with him in what he's doing, gives us all that we could possibly need to accomplish what he asks us to do. So thinking about the generosity of obedience, my question is to you as we leave tonight. Where might God be asking you to go? And to be generous in obedience. Who might God be asking you to go to? To be generous in obedience. Moving on, God's call on us to grow in the generosity of presence. When Paul spoke to the crowd that day, he described Ananias as someone who came to see him, which we've just looked at. But he also described someone, Ananias as someone who stood beside me. Who stood beside me. Conversion is not an individualistic thing that we can do on ourselves, by ourselves, for ourselves rather, or a personal possession. Conversion always moves us into the care and nurture of a body of believers. The newly converted soul is made room for. He is welcomed, baptized and fed. The end of our passage that Sarah read tonight said, which Paul goes on to describe in one of the other letters that he wrote to another church as the right hand of fellowship. Earlier on, I mentioned that I personally have been amazed by your generosity as I've experienced it firsthand myself. You have gifted us with finance. You have unpacked our moving van. You have painted the walls in our home. You have come around to take our dirty laundry when we've all been sick. You have cooked for us. You have cleaned for us. You've come around us and protected us. And you've inspired us to dream again. The welcome here in this church is truly unique. The room that you create for the outsider in this church is truly unique. There is room here for others. There is no place for cliques. Everyone is welcome 
And I just can't thank you enough for the way in which you welcomed us. But there's more to this, he stood beside me, I think, than just the simplicity and the significance of a welcome. I think you have a midwifery type of gifting in this place. It's here in Ananias' story too. I think Paul is talking about the deeper place in which the church is the place where people are helped to make sense of who they are and make sense of and work through the painful experiences that we each will walk through from time to time. Ananias didn't just pray and go home. He stood alongside Paul and helped him to process and perhaps even make sense of the things that God was doing the things that God was speaking. Can I ask, can I dare to encourage you to go on, carry on being generous in your presence with others and those who God will call you to stand with and, to, and who's called, as God has called you to stand beside. Finally then, God's call on us to grow in the generosity of speech. This is the thing I think on reflection this past week has meant the most. Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. Words are very, very powerful things. I have learned that from you. I have learned that from Mark. I have learned that from this church family. Words are of huge significance. I was reflecting on this um, one morning this week. Words, they have the power to liberate as well as possessing the power to limit. Depending on how they're used, how they're offered, and how they are spoken. When we came here five years ago, we were a bit beat up and a bit lost, starved of leadership and direction. Not many of you will know that. We were in a desperate place and we needed help. We were reflecting on this this past week. I was cycling on my way home to work, from work. It was a beautiful sunny day and we had probably had single-handedly the worst three to four months of our lives before that and since then. And for some reason, on my bike, I thought of Mark. We had been at a conference um, months prior to that together. And I didn't just remember him. On reflection, I, I, thinking back, I, I remember the way he talked about you. And in my mind that day, I thought, that's a place. If we could get there, we'd be safe. I can't remember the, the, the details of the phone call, 
Mark referred to it earlier on on Thursday this week where we were having some time together as a staff to say goodbye to one another. I think it went something along the lines of help. And he said, yes, come. Something along those lines. But that was pretty much where the things led. I said, I said, help. I need help. We need help. We are in a bad way. And he said, come. Yes. I will forever be grateful for that yes. I will forever be grateful for your yes. There are things I thought I would never say or do again. I thought it was all over. But bit by bit, God has put us back together. And here, through your generous speech and encouragement, we've been able to dream again. Brother Saul, receive your sight. In that place of standing with and beside Saul, Ananias put words on what God was doing in him which is something that many of you have done for us regularly. In faith, speaking out over our lives the things that we couldn't see for ourselves. I can remember walking home from maybe one of my first ever one-to-one meetings with Mark in the, vi- in the back garden of the, of the house in Ellers Road. It was the, the reason, one of the main reasons I remember it was the first time I ever had red bush tea, anyway. So, and then aside, he was like, you'll love it, it's great. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I like coffee. And uh, I haven't stopped drinking it since. I can remember uh, we were a little bit overwhelmed. We had just come on staff and we were starting to process what that meant. And Mark was like, you know, I've been thinking and praying about it. I think you're going to do this. I'm going to think you're going to do that. It's going to be great. We're going to do this. We're going to try this. We're going to change this. We're going to, yeah. And I, and I can remember leaving and going around the, the hedge and getting on to Ellers again. And, and my heart was in my mouth. And I, cu- I couldn't quite compute what he was talking about. Because I had lost a hold of that sense of my call. And it was so, what was so simple and what's straightforward to him, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really quite compute. I needed someone to believe in me again. I needed, to, I needed someone to speak generously over my life, the things that my previous experiences and the pain that they had brought me were robbing me of. This is one of the places you excel as a church family. Your generous speech. We are leaving here on Tuesday. Better people by because of being here. We are leaving here on Tuesday. Better people for knowing you. And we are leaving here on Tuesday. Better because you have let us be a part of your ministry in this church. And I can't say thank you enough. Let's stand together.
In these simple words, just, just all I ask that you hear our testimony to your faithfulness and the call of God again through this story of Ananias to grow in the generosity of obedience, presence and speech. We love you and thank God for you.